Welcome to the Everletic Bites Expert Chats Podcast, where we get professional insights from thought leaders in marketing and business communication so you can amplify your campaigns. Our guest today is Lee Crimble from Breadcrumbs Linguistics, an award-winning behavioral communications firm that uses behavioral linguistics to create marketing and communication that nudges action. Lee is the head behavioral linguist at Breadcrumbs Linguistics, voted the top global behavioral communications firm in 2021. She is currently completing a PhD in behavioral science and is developing a new communications framework to nudge customer decision-making in the health, retail, and financial services space. So great to have you here. Thank you. (laughs) I think let's start from the beginning. Could you please explain to our listeners what behavioral linguistics is? Super. So it's certainly an emerging discipline within a South African context, something that is gaining huge traction overseas. And ultimately, it looks at how can you create really compelling communication? How can you craft copy that really speaks to people in a way that nudges action? And we know that we're faced with so many decisions on a daily basis as consumers and bombarded with so much information that it ends up becoming a bit of sort of white noise, I guess, in Mm. in our day-to-day lives. Mm. So to be able to understand what really drives us to make a decision to pick one brand over another or one product or one service, and it really does come down to these very inherent behavioral biases that we have. And quite excitingly, they're very universal. So they transcend demographics, uh, languages, cultural groups. And so what we do at Breadcrumbs is really look at how can we tap into these behavioral biases and create copy that then really just catches someone's attention, but more so than that, gets them to act in the ways that we want them to act. Yeah, very interesting. And I think you you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, There's just so much happening. So how do we as brands stand out from our competition? And this is something that will really, really help us to do that. 100%. And when when we take it back to email marketing, what role do you feel linguistics plays in the success of an email campaign? We would say it plays a huge role in the ultimate success of any type of brand communication, but particularly when you're looking at email marketing, direct marketing channels. And that's because, again, you, we're playing in a very cluttered space. If we think of our inbox at the moment, I, I'd be very surprised if we looked around here and if you all told me that your inbox was clear. There's definitely going to be a few unread mails in there. Absolutely. And the, the idea with behavioral linguistics is how can we frame a subject line as, as the first uh, point of contact? Frame a subject line such that it lands in somebody's inbox and immediately they're compelled to open that mail because what we say to our clients all the time is you can have the best brand and the best products and the best services and be offering things at absolutely the best sort of rates um, and price points. But if your communication is ultimately not read, if somebody doesn't open that email or engage in what you're trying to sell them, it's it's like that sort of uh, metaphoric tree falling in a forest. No one sees it. <laughs> did it. Did it really exist? <laughs> um, so we really set out to make every word count 
I guess, ultimately. Mm. There's there's such a, a preconceived idea, particularly in more complicated industries, I, I guess, in your financial services space, as an example, that using complicated language or complex words and jargon shows credibility. Um, and the, the, the opposite is, in fact, true, that where you can simplify things and use as few words as possible to get your point across, uh, your audience is, A, more likely to engage with it because they understand it. And through that understanding, they're more likely to be persuaded by it. Uh, there's there's mm. definitely more credibility and trust that they then feel towards you as a brand when they're not, you know, looking for a dictionary to to find out what the, what the words are that you're using in your communications. Absolutely. And I think that goes with normal communication as well, because when someone speaks at that, at that high level, it immediately disengages you. So we need to think the same way about our content as well. Absolutely. And what are some key tips that you can share with those who want to explore this a bit further? So it's really a wonderful world of, I guess, trial and error in many ways. And, and A-B testing is so critical in, in fact, we, we joke and say A-B-C-D-E-F-G <laughs> testing in the space that we're in. So we, we certainly love working with um, clients who have access to such amazing software and technologies as, as Everlytic because you offer that opportunity to do that A-B testing, mm. to try out different things. Is there a visual language play in sort of the banner or the headline image? What elements of personalization to pique interest and get people excited? Around a decade ago, as an example, it was seen as super innovative if you just use someone's name in a subject line or mm. were able to personalize and pull through that field uh, in, in sort of the opening greeting. That, while still very, very important, we know that people seeing their names immediately uh, triggers that that sort of engagement level. But we're moving into a far more hyper-personalized space now where we're almost expecting brands to know more about us as consumers. They they mustn't Mm -hmm. just know that my name is Lee. And within reason, because I guess we start to feel a bit big brothery about some of these things, but we take for granted that, you know, they know where I'm based. They know some of the things that I like and enjoy and, and they can tailor content to make it far more relevant to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a great example a few years back of, of working with a brand and uh, we were able to pull through the temperature of, of the weather that was going to happen that weekend because it was an outdoor event happening and to be able to say, nice. hey, Lee, head to X because expect sunny uh, conditions and, you know, 26 degrees, beautiful weather in Joburg. I'd love that. Really, really did then just add another dynamic that's not just the, the first name field in these types of comms. Yeah, and it's also valuable content. So it's helping me as the reader to understand what type of temperature is going to be out there. I mean, just just to your example, which Absolutely. is great. Listen, it, it can go horribly wrong. And we do have many, many horror stories, as I'm sure you do too, from an analytic point of view, where potentially clients have, you know, not kept their database updated. Yes. And uh, I mean, you know, if, if you're no longer in a partnership and you're referring to a spouse, potentially on a policy or, yeah. you know, Mother's Day greetings, but unfortunately somebody's lost their mom or, mm. or you know, people not even potentially staying in the same place as what they used to and you're referring to their old address. Things like that are going to happen. Uh, they, yeah. They're more outlier examples, I guess. Mm. And our advice always to brands is if in doubt, rather avoid the hyper-personalization, make sure that you're getting things right. Mm. Because just as beautifully as it is to engage people and interact with them, when it goes wrong, it can be something that, that erodes a bit of trust in the brand and that sort of relationship. And, and those are hard things to then recover from. 
So it really is something that you have to pay incredible attention to and partner with, you know, companies such as yourselves who really are well versed in the space and, and can advise on what should be done, what can be tested, what can be tried, what hasn't worked, what will work. Mm. And, and that's the exciting space. What will work for one brand might not work for another. Uh, we do a lot of trends analyses and, uh, in fact, have, have partnered with, with you guys fairly recently with some of the work we're doing there. And it's great to see linguistic patterns that emerge uh, and, and how some of these are universal and some of them are quite industry specific. Mm. And it's going to be exciting to, to keep on unpacking that as more and more data comes through. Yeah. And I think, you know, just going back to your comments about keeping your data clean, I think that is extremely important. And I remember a friend telling me about um, receiving an email and it said, hi, John, and oh, her yeah. name was Kate. And <laughs> so like immediately disengage. Yeah. Like, so it's really, it's important to, to get it right. So I think that's really pertinent. Just going back to what you mentioned, we actually recently did a analysis with Breadcrumbs Linguistics of mm-hmm. the 50 best performing emails sent by South Africa's financial industry in 2020 to see what language elements they all had in common. And the insights were really, really interesting. And we've actually published the reports on our website. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more detail that it goes into. Uh, what are some of the high level takeouts that you can, you can share with us yeah, today? Yeah. We had a lot of fun looking at that with you guys. And in, in fact, the exciting thing about behavioral linguistics is that it really does combine a, a deep dive approach, but also, you know, casting the net quite wide and getting as much data as possible. So through our partnership, we were obviously able to, to get that data and use corpus linguistic methodology, uh, which really crunches the numbers and goes, you know, puts all million words into, into a database. And then we're able to really sift through it and see what are these trends? What, what interesting patterns reveal themselves? And a, a lot of what we saw was what we would have sort of hypothesized would be the case um, mm. across the board with number of words in a subject line such that it's revealed as text, especially since we know so many people use mobile devices in order to, to yes. get their emails. The visual language elements of, of what brand colors were coming through. What was the, the headline image showing? And, and then what we love to look at are what we call the breadcrumb navigation devices. Nice. And really just, of course, that's why, why we call ourselves breadcrumbs. Um, what is it in the text that helps the eye follow through from the beginning of a text to the end of the text? And it's quite fascinating to see that Fewer words in a sentence, fewer sentences in a paragraph, fewer paragraphs in a communication immediately help with that engagement. Mm. And that makes sense. If you and I sit down now and go through our inboxes, we're more likely to read uh, a mail to completion if it's shorter. Yeah. And and really the, the, the economy of words there is so critical. But those, those readability devices, um, bold text, changing font here and then, not making things overwhelming or too complicated that will disengage your reader, but certainly those little markers that help the eye follow through from a text. Mm. And um, one of the the very interesting things we're looking at at the moment is what's called messenger effect. And that is who sends the message is sometimes more important than what the message actually is. Mm. And if you think about a brand communication, we tend to see these coming from marketing teams or signed off as very generic 
the X team or whatever the brand names there. Mm. Uh, what we're playing around with now is what if that actually comes from the CEO or the brand ambassador mm. and you see their signature at the bottom of an email? But but I digress. We were talking about our financial services matters. Yes, and, it's all interesting. And and that was that was great to look at, especially in the context of it being sort of pandemic world. And we were quite interested in seeing to what extent have our uh, engagement patterns changed as consumers. Mm. And certainly we're spending a lot more time online now than ever before. And there was this sense going into it that potentially that would have this knock-on effect of engagement on, on mailers. Uh, but certainly that's not what we've seen. In fact, if anything, we've seen boosted engagement mm. as a result of, of people perhaps trying to form more of a connection to the outside world, particularly during those lockdown days, which is, which is when we, we were looking at these, um, uh, mailers. And certainly calls to action became quite interesting to look at. Mm. Uh, there's, there's no reason for a brand to send out uh, any type of communication unless there's something you are ultimately wanting your consumer to do. Mm. And I think a lot of the times brands forget that. And, you know, it's very much a sort of brand building exercise and an awareness exercise, but there really is a so what moment. Yeah. So we were looking for those call to actions in the mailers to see how they're framed. What do the buttons look like? Um, it, what, what is the choice architecture? Mm. Uh, that's so interesting from a behavioral science point of view that people want to feel agency and they want to feel like they have an option to choose between things but they don't want choice overload. They don't want that decision fatigue that you've placed 20 bottles of tomato sauce in front of them and now they have oh to gosh. choose one. <laughs> yes, it's like those breakfast menus. 100%. <laughs> There's an amazing study called the JAM study, which was done many years back by some psychologists. And, and what they did is they took a grocery store and uh, for one week they had, I think it was 10 to 12 versions of jam on the shelves and they watched consumer behavior and purchase behavior. And they then mixed it up and they actually removed uh, five or so of them and they had a very limited range of jam. And what was so interesting to see here is that when people were faced with too many options, they ended up walking out without purchasing anything. Mm. And I, I think that is testimony to how we are now as humans, that we're so overwhelmed with so much happening in our lives that you don't want you know, a jam purchase to be the straw <laughs> that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And if it's going to be, you're just going to walk out the store and you, you're just not going to expend that cognitive energy in mm. making that decision. So that really is one of the things that we saw quite clearly in these financial services mailers where they're trying to, of course, sell type, some type of product or get you to buy into to a service, whether it was leads or sales acquisitions across the spectrum. But if the call to action wasn't phrased in such a way that it was a very easy option or an easy decision, uh, there was there was definitely that drop off. Wow, it's very uh, there's some amazing insights, and thank you so much for joining us and sharing your knowledge. I'm sure that our listeners found it really really valuable. Thank you so much. It's always fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah, and. I'd highly recommend visiting our website and going through the top language tips for better emails. You can find it at www.evalytic.co.za under our resources section in marketing guides. Thank you so much, Lee, for coming through and Thank you. look forward Thanks to so chatting much. to you again. Absolutely. Till next Cheers. time. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.